I'm Dr. Janelle Anderson, former college professor turned manager in a large corporation turned entrepreneur. And not just any entrepreneur. I've made it my life's work to make organizational life more effective and fulfilling. So welcome to Working Conversations, the podcast where we digest and translate research and ideas on workplace dynamics and serve up to you the most interesting and actionable strategies to make your workplace conversations and your relationships more effective, productive, and influential. If you're looking for proven tools for your workplace toolbox, you're in the right place. Now, let's get after it. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Working Conversations podcast, where we talk all things leadership, business communication, and trends in organizational life. I'm your host, Dr. Janelle Anderson. No matter where you look, you cannot escape the headlines. From Fortune Magazine, this is not an employee choice. The CEO of Morgan Stanley gets real and says employees can't simply choose to work remotely. From Forbes, in January of this year, the four horsemen of the mandated return to office. And from Forbes just last week, leaders need to end their focus on the return to office. From the Business Insider, bosses threaten firing to bring workers back to office amid recession fears. From the BBC, I quit my job rather than going back to the office. From Inc., return to office, not so fast. And even the U.S. government is in the fray. From Fox News, D.C. mayor calls on Biden to stop remote work for government employees in back-to-the-office speech. The idea here is to save the city's downtown, commercial real estate is suffering, and retail and restaurants have lost many of their loyal customers, and the tourism industry is not strong enough to support all of the downtown of Washington, D.C. So, work from home? or return to office? That is the question. And that's what we're going to explore in this episode. Now, before I jump into the details, I want to remind you that this is one of my predictions from episode 92 on how work life is going to unfold in 2023. So let me just quickly remind you of all the predictions that I made for work life in 2023 back in episode 92. Prediction number one, the labor shortage will continue and get worse. Prediction number two, we will experience a values clash at work between work to live and live to work. Prediction number three, artificial intelligence becomes far more useful in everyday work. And at prediction number four, return to office and work from home will clash in a push-pull relationship. And prediction number five, interpersonal skills are the most important skills at work. Okay, so in this episode, as promised, we are digging into prediction number four, return to office and work from home will clash in a push-pull relationship. Now, we all remember the middle of March 2020 when offices around the United States went dark. It hit other parts of the world at different times, but here in the U.S., anyone who could work from home did starting around the middle of March. Health and safety was at the root cause, and this was meant to be a temporary measure to fight the coronavirus pandemic. Two weeks turned into two months, and then nearly two years before people started going uh, back to the office and repopulating the office in large numbers. This would-be temporary shift from co-located work to remote work turned into an experiment on a grand scale to test where and how work could be done effectively. The experimental group, that is, the people were working remotely, had a decent chance to outperform the control group, 
that is, those working in the office. And in many industry sectors and for many individual companies, that's exactly how the experiment played out. Some companies went permanently remote with their workforce and others turned to a permanent hybrid model. And the plans to return to the office continued to be delayed. (laughs) Until they didn't. And that's where the story really begins. With the labor shortage as a backdrop, workers appear to hold better cards and employers are not having an easy time of it. And employers have risen to the challenge, trying to lure employees back with offering concerts and swag, at least initially. Now they're starting to implement more extreme strategies like demanding a return to office and threatening the jobs of those who object. Tug of war is an apt metaphor for this push-pull relationship. Employers and many employees find themselves on opposite sides of this issue with very strong convictions one way or the other. Back in September, Microsoft surveyed 31,000 workers around the world, and half the leaders of those companies said that their company required or would soon require people to be back in the office full-time in early 2023. So half. On the other hand, employees don't share that sentiment. In an ADP survey of 32,000 employees, 64% of them said that they have or would consider looking for a new job if their employer wanted them to return to the office full time. While it seemed like the work from home lobbyists would win the battles and the war, the winds are starting to change. LinkedIn began analyzing paid job postings on their platform back in January 2021 in something that they call the Workforce Report. And in December 2022, just a couple of months ago, their data revealed a national trend away from remote work. Now, back in March 2022, almost a year ago, the highest number of job postings ever were for remote jobs. Since then, the number of remote postings has begun a steep decline. In November 2022, less than 14% of posts were looking for remote applicants. That's a huge jump. Now, according to buildremote.co, 77% of the Fortune 100 companies currently operate on a hybrid work schedule where most, if not all, of the workers are required to come into the office on a specific schedule. So let's take a closer look at companies that have recently called workers back to the office on a structured schedule, even if it's not five days a week. Disney very recently called their workers back four days a week. American Express, one day per week. Starbucks, three days a week. General Motors, three days per week. And also Apple, three days per week. ExxonMobil requires their staff to be in the office five days per week, as does Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley. AT&T is also asking workers to come in five days per week. And Vanguard is going so far as to threaten workers that their jobs are on the line if they don't comply with return to office mandates. So we're definitely seeing the same trend that LinkedIn is seeing. And of course, LinkedIn is seeing that in terms of the job applications and the job postings that it's seeing posted on its site. But the trend is following in terms of major corporations requiring their employees to come back into the office on average three to four, maybe five days per week. 
So of course, there are pros and cons to this issue, work from home or work from the office. So let's take a deeper look. Why do companies want people back in the office? Well, there are several reasons that companies may want their employees to return to the office, and here are a few possible reasons. Number one, productivity. There are distractions at home, and not for everybody, but for some of us, there are distractions at home, and at the office, it may be easier to focus on work. And some companies believe that employees are more productive when they're in the office, particularly when they have access to certain resources and amenities and things that may not be available at home. So productivity is a valid reason. And number two, collaboration. And when we think about collaboration, we want to think about ideation and coming up with creative solutions to our workplace problems and problems in our industry. So some companies believe that being in the same physical location allows for better collaboration and communication among their team members. You know, getting people into a room and having them brainstorm, having them deliberate possible solutions to a problem. Again, there are also fewer potential outside distractions, and that makes it easier to keep the collaboration focused. So collaboration is the second reason. The third reason is culture. So just the socialization, and I don't necessarily mean socializing with other people, but the socialization of what does it mean to be part of this culture, the enculturation, if you will. Especially for new employees, it's much easier to feel the culture and to feel part of the culture when you're in the building amidst other people who are part of it and when you're experiencing the physical artifacts of that culture. Being in the office allows employees to feel more connected both to the company and to each other. So number three is culture. Number four, coordination. So keeping your work aligned with organizational priorities, it's easier to do that when you're in the office. It's easier for employees to maintain that line of sight. And sometimes that line of sight is physical, but a lot of times it's a metaphorical line of sight between their work and larger organizational goals and initiatives. Sometimes those are posted around the office on posters, and you hear people talking about those initiatives and side conversations and hallway conversations and the like. So number four is coordination. Number five is supervision. Now this one is debatable for sure, but supervision and oversight. Some companies may require employees to be in the office in order to provide that oversight and supervision, particularly for roles that require a high level of attention to detail or that have strict security protocols in place. And that security measure, by and large, has been something we've been able to work around when need be from home. But I don't think that we'd get a lot of argument about security being better when on site. So supervision and oversight is our fifth reason. And our sixth reason is cost. While remote works can certainly have cost-saving benefits, such as reducing the need for office space, it can also create additional costs for companies, such as increased IT support and infrastructure expenses. Some companies may want employees to return to the office in order to reduce those costs. So it's worth noting, and that was number six, cost. And it's worth noting that these are just a few of the reasons why we might want to return to the office. The specific reasons are going to vary from company to company and may be influenced by a variety of factors, such as the nature of the business, the type of work being performed, and the company's overall goals and priorities. This episode is made possible by Instacart. If you haven't already started using Instacart, now is the time, my friend. Now, I'm the first one to say that I actually enjoy a trip to the grocery store. I really do. But you know what I like doing even better? Making this podcast. 
When I was deep in the development of this podcast, outlining and recording the first few episodes, my kids reminded me that they needed to eat. Instacart to the rescue. In absolutely record time, Magnolia, my Instacart shopper that day, delivered chicken nuggets, milk, avocados, fresh berries, and a host of other groceries we needed. When life gets busy, or when you just want to feel like royalty and have someone do it for you, there's Instacart. Get $10 off your first order when you sign up at workingconversations.com forward slash Instacart. Now, back to the show. Now, on the other side of the issue, we've got people who want to work from home, and there are plenty of reasons why they want to work from home. Let's take a look at some of those reasons. Number one, flexibility. One of the major benefits of working from home is the increased flexibility that it offers. People may prefer the ability to set their own schedule and work at their own pace rather than being tied to a set schedule in the office. So flexibility is our first reason for wanting to work from home. The second reason for wanting to work from home is comfort. Many people find that working from home allows them to be more comfortable since they can work in their own space and perhaps wear more comfortable and casual clothing than they might if they were in the office. And let's talk about shoes. You don't really have to wear shoes if you're working from home. So that makes another level of comfort. So second reason, comfort. Third reason, cost savings. Working from home can also save people money on things like commuting costs, childcare, and new clothes, office attire. Now, there are also cost savings for the organization, and that could be reduced real estate footprint and associated overhead costs that come with having people in the building and having more people in the building. So cost savings is our third reason. The fourth reason is a reduced carbon footprint and that comes from less commuting time for employees and perhaps less electricity being used on site. So reduced carbon footprint is a solid reason why we might not want to be back in the office. Another form of reduced co- of potential reduced costs for employees is reduced childcare, which I mentioned already, or elder care costs, because many employees are able to do light caregiving throughout the day for, say, children who don't require a lot of oversight and supervision, or older family members who are living inside the household but just need to be checked on from time to time or perhaps have meals prepared for them. So reduced childcare or elder costs is another reason. And then improve work-life balance. Now for some, and this is not for everyone, but for some people, working from home allows them to have a better balance in their work and personal lives since they can more easily manage their time and their responsibilities and blend their family life, their personal life together with their work life. It works for some, but not for all, but improved work-life balance. And then health and safety. Because for some people, the ability to work from home may be a matter of health and safety, particularly if they have underlying health conditions or are at high risk for contracting COVID-19, or even if they have complications from things like the common cold related to having other underlying health conditions that they may suffer from worse when they have something as simple as the common cold. And a final benefit for working from home, and this one for organizations. Working from home, whether full-time or hybrid, may mitigate the risk of losing talent to companies that allow it or allow more of it instead of eliminating it entirely. 
So again, it's worth noting that these are just a few of the many possible reasons why people may want to continue to work from home. Specific reasons are going to vary from person to person and may be influenced by a variety of factors such as job duties, personal preferences, and their individual circumstances in their home life and their family life. Now, what's so interesting is that this is all unfolding, this whole work from home versus return to office debate is unfolding in the shadow of a possible recession And of course, in the shadow of Google, Microsoft, Amazon, Twitter, and Facebook, all laying off thousands and thousands of staff within the last couple of weeks and months, which could easily make those work-from-homers a little nervous. Now, these concerns may be a bit hyped up. The tech industry is an anomaly and did grow very fast during the pandemic. This is not necessarily the case for most other industries in which workers are likely to keep their jobs, even in the event of a recession. Now, this is also unfolding in the midst of a severe worker shortage, which I talked about at great length in episode 93. So that gives employees some leverage in the game. And oh, if I had a crystal ball and I could look into it and tell you exactly how this issue will play out throughout the rest of the year and well into the future, well, let's just say I would be a very popular person if I had that crystal ball. And I don't, but here is what I can confidently predict. If the threats of a recession do materialize, workers will hold less power, far less power in determining the fate of where they work at home or in the office. Employers will definitely have the upper hand, at least for a while. As the labor shortage continues to grow and get worse, as I have predicted, because the population of eligible workers is declining, again, check out episode 93 if you need a refresher on that then the workers will hold the other, the upper hand. So again, as that labor shortage continues and grows worse, the workers will eventually hold the upper hand. So my final stand on this is that the tug of war will continue. It absolutely will continue throughout 2023 and quite likely beyond. And this is an issue that we here at Working Conversations are going to keep an eye on, and we'll probably have another update and another episode on this a little bit later on in the year. Now, if you enjoy this content and you're watching it on YouTube, make sure you hit the subscribe button and knock that little bell so that you get notified every time there's a new episode out. I'm also starting to make some other videos there on YouTube as well. So even if you're listening on a podcast player, you'll want to head over to YouTube and subscribe so that you don't miss a thing. Wherever you're listening or watching, please leave me a review. It helps other listeners find me, and it just plain all makes me feel good. All right, my friends, until next time, be well. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you're hearing on the podcast, head on over to Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, and give us five stars and a quick review. It really makes a difference, and it keeps us bringing you valuable content that you can put into play in your life. I'm Dr. Janelle Anderson. And this is Working Conversations.